Our first reading is from Psalm 65, and it's the Swallow's Nest translation. If you'd like to follow along, it's printed in the middle of your bulletin insert. In preparation to hear these words, let us turn our hearts in prayer. Holy One, we give you thanks for these ancient words, for the imagination and the dreaming, and for all those who have carried them on throughout the ages. And ask that you would enliven us this morning as we hear a word from you this day. Amen. All your people owe you praise, El Shaddai. All flesh should pay their vows to you. For you answer our prayer and forgive our sins, even when they overcome us. Blessed are those you draw near to yourself. They abide in your presence and are satisfied with your goodness. You deliver us with awesome deeds, O God of our salvation. You inspire hope to the ends of the earth, to the farthest seas. By your strength you set the mountains in place. They are all the earth's mighty girdle. Still, you still the roaring waves of the sea and calm the tumult of the peoples. Those who dwell in remote places revere your signs, the joyful comings of morning and evening, the beauty of sunrise and sunset. You visit the earth with rain and nurture its soil. You fill the rivers with swift flowing water. In your generous providence, you grant grain in abundance. You settle and soften rich furrows with showers. You water the ground and bless the land with new growth. You crown each year with your bountiful goodness. Great plenty springs up in the wake of your footsteps. The pastures of the wilderness drip with dew. The hills are clothed with green gladness. The meadows are filled with flocks. The valleys are covered with grain. Everything sings and dances together with joy, celebrating your bounty. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks, God. St. Luke tells us this parable of Jesus. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven. But he was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified, rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. 
the living word of God for the people of God. Perhaps some of you have already noticed that the title of my sermon is In God We Trust. Even if you didn't read it in the order of worship, perhaps you saw the brightly colored word cloud on the front of today's bulletin. It certainly caught my attention when I saw it for the first time the other day. So I do feel the need to tell you up front that you will not be hearing any endorsement of this phrase as our nation's motto or encouragement to marry church and state. I hope this is not a disappointment to you. In fact, when this title first popped into my head, after sitting with both Psalm 65 and the parable from St. Luke, for the first time when I was preparing for this sermon, I was a bit surprised myself. In its most familiar role in American life, showing up on all of our currency, uh, I have not found the phrase, in God we trust, to be particularly inspirational. Yet, when I read these passages of scripture and asked myself, what are the texts saying to me? I heard, in God we trust. Today's psalm is one of thanksgiving for agricultural bounty and for the beauty of creation. I hear that gratitude especially well in the translation we read today that Jeff selected. But what I also hear is the trust that underlies the relationship between the people and their God. You answer our prayer and forgive our sins, even when they overcome us. The message of this psalm is a wonderful context then, I think, for our gospel text. In the parable from the Gospel of Luke, we hear about two men living out their faith by going up to the temple to pray. Their prayers sound rather different, and Jesus notes to his listeners an important distinction between these prayers. But I would argue that both men are responding in prayer to a God whom they trust. The most common interpretations of this parable look to Jesus's assessment of the situation and draw a moral teaching from it, something you've probably heard, along the lines of, only the tax collector goes home justified, Jesus says, and those who exalt themselves, that's the Pharisee, will be humbled, and those who humble themselves, that would be the tax collector, the sinner, will be exalted. And isn't it surprising that it's the religious authority who gets it wrong and the sinner who gets it right? It's good to be humble like the tax collector, and it's not good to be self-righteous like the Pharisee. But is that moral all that surprising to us? And is it really all that this parable has to offer us? New Testament professor and Jewish feminist scholar Amy Jill Levine is among the readers of this parable who point out that the conclusion above is just one step away from saying, thank you, God, that I am not like that Pharisee, and sounding rather like the Pharisee who they're condemning. 
And so today I'd like to look at this parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector with a different lens. Instead of looking at two men in the temple and deciding who is good, who is bad, who's right and who's wrong, how, how about we ponder the question, how does each man's position in life affect how he relates to or trusts in God? How does each of our positions in life affect how each of us relates to or trusts in God? Think about that Pharisee. Think about the tax collector. And think about yourself. When I visualize these two men in their context, Jerusalem during the time of Jesus, occupied by a powerful Roman government, I see two men in very different stations. Despite what we hear in the Gospel of St. Luke over and over, the Pharisee probably would have been well regarded by most of his fellow Jews. The historian Josephus tells us that unlike the elitist Sadducees and the rather inwardly focused Essenes, as far as Jewish sects went, the Pharisees were generally well liked. In the Jewish world, and certainly at the temple, a Pharisee could move about with confidence and have his position in life and his beliefs affirmed by most of the people he interacted with. In contrast, a tax collector would not be so highly regarded, not just by the Pharisee, but probably by most Jews, especially any who had any means worth taxing. He was a Jew, but he worked for the occupying government. His own people were probably wary of him at best and thought him a traitor at worst. And while he was employed by the Roman government, he wasn't exactly a high-ranking official. He likely didn't receive any esteem from Roman officials or soldiers either. He was most likely familiar with disapproval, with being avoided, with being distrusted. And so these two men of very different stations end up in the temple to pray at the same time. The confident Pharisee prays boldly and thanks God that he is exactly who he is and that he can and does follow the Torah. He tithes, he fasts, and he makes it to the temple to pray. The tax collector knows that his profession isn't really a way of honoring God. He doesn't spend his time studying the law with other Jews. He doesn't teach anyone, as far, and as far as we know, he doesn't have any special devotional practices. And so rather than pray boldly, he beats his chest, looks down to the ground, and pleads, God, be merciful on me, a sinner. Jesus, Luke tells us, says the tax collector leaves right with God, justified. The Pharisee, not so much. The tax collector has so little, little power, little privilege, and he mentions no good works or religious acts that, however well intended, he can feel a sense of self-satisfaction. 
Nothing gets in the way of him seeing that, oh, yes, he needs God. He must have known that when he went to the temple, because in spite of all of his shortcomings and doubts, he trusts in God and knows he needs to ask God for mercy. So why did the Pharisee go to the temple? If you follow most of the Lucan stories of Pharisees, as I mentioned earlier, you'll see that Luke doesn't think much of any of the Pharisees. And he thinks pretty much that they are all self-righteous jerks who generally miss the mark and don't even know it. But given the broader understanding of who Pharisees were as learned and deeply thinking people, as leaders and teachers, people who spend their lives trying to understand, understand the scriptures, isn't it possible that the Pharisee in this parable went to the temple to give thanks and to show how he trusts in God? I'm not saying he gets it right, especially the demeaning others part, part of his prayer. But pray to God in the temple, he did. So rather than seeing the story as uh, a story where we pick a hero and a villain, perhaps we can look at it more like a story with two different examples of how people try to meet God, how they succeed and how they fail. On this day, the underdog gets it right, and the one who should get it misses the mark. The prayers of one set him right with God, and the prayers of the other don't. But these prayers said in the temple on this day aren't about uh, eternal righteousness or unrighteousness. When Jesus says that one leaves right with God and not the other, Jesus isn't saying the Pharisee is condemned forever and the tax collector has it made for life. Perhaps it is not so different for us. Some of us have a lot going for us. Family and friends who value us, the ability to work and study in environments that we choose and that we enjoy, social stability, economic stability. We have much for which we can be grateful, like the Pharisee. And some of us are feeling the absence of those good circumstances. We may feel alone, unsupported. We may live in situations we don't like, and our lives may feel anything but stable. I imagine that most of us at some point have experienced some of the good and some of the bad. Where are you today? Perhaps you have much for which you are grateful. If so, how are you sharing your gratitude? That is, where do you see God working in your abundance? And how are you responding? Here is the place to look at the Pharisee and perhaps remember to show a bit more gratitude for your blessings and a little less disdain for others. But then look to the tax collector. 
get low, seek humility, and ask for God's mercy, always. And if you are feeling the absence of blessing today, then perhaps you can hold on to this gleaning from today's parable. Sometimes it is in those humble positions with nothing to boast about, nothing to offer thanks for, that one can feel the nearness of God best. It may not be joy, but it may be the nearness and the presence. Our hope lies in the God in whom we trust, a God we can return to again and again. Sometimes we get it right, and sometimes we don't. But just as it is likely that the Pharisee and the tax collector in this story return to the temple sometime to offer their prayers again, we too can return to God. When we are aware of our shortcomings, we can repent. We can ask, O oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And we can trust that our God is merciful and showers grace upon us and upon the world, always. Amen.